Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The week is here. Sports gambling goes live this week in the state of Iowa Thursday. Legalized sports wagering will be available at Iowa Casinos. Thursday, all four local shows will be live from Prairie Meadows to kick off sports gambling. Yesterday, the Iowa Cubs with a 5-2 win over Salt Lake. Addison Russell went 2-for-3 with the home run in the victory for the I-Cubs. Back at it tonight, 7-08 with the first pitch from Principal Park. Tomorrow, day game, 12-08, and we'll be broadcasting live from Principal Park from 10 till noon. Yesterday, the Cubs looking to bounce back as they took on the Reds in Cincinnati. Down in the seventh, Chris Bryant to the plate. In the air to left, it's deep, it is gone! Chris Bryant, his first home run in Cincinnati in three seasons, and the Cubs have the lead. 23rd home run of the year for Bryant. Ian Happ also went deep for the fourth time on the call from NBC Sports Chicago. The Royals were in Detroit, and former Cub Jorge Soler continues to pound the baseball. Oh, that is blasted. Deep left center field, and Jorge Soler has another home run. The call from Fox Sports Kansas City in a 10-2 Royals victory. The Twins came back in the ninth inning to tie it up against Cleveland in a matchup of the top teams in the American League Central. But in the 10th, Carlos Santana with a grand slam. Bases loaded. Nobody out. Santana socks one high in the air. Deep left field. There she goes. It's a grand slam. The call from Fox Sports Ohio is the Indians win at 7-3. And Cleveland or Minnesota now tied atop the American League Central standings. The Cardinals looking for a sweep against the Pirates. And Paul Goldschmidt jumps on top early. And Goldschmidt hits it over Marte. Spray chart. Go for it. You can't get up there and catch it. The call from Fox Sports Midwest as Goldschmidt has four hits in the game. Cardinals with the sweep, 11-9. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Just past 11, five minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. We are here until noon. Glad you're with us. Uh, as we talk the world of sports with you, localizing as best as we can, and we're at that time of year today that if we can't do that every day, then that is on us. Dylan Montz will join us at 11, probably closer to 11.20 as we tend to go a little longer than we anticipate. So about 11.20 or so for Dylan. And then Mark Morehouse at 11.35, 11.40-ish, we will talk to Mark, uh, get his take on what he saw uh, from over the weekend. A couple of quarterback news, Trent. Tate Martell leaves Ohio State because... He's going to Miami, where he's going to start. Of course, yeah. Uh, he didn't. He didn't win the job. What? Uh, he is um, at least second, perhaps third on the depth chart there. So the speculation is he'll be back in the transfer portal sooner rather than later. But more importantly, uh, because Wisconsin uh, gets a whole lot more coverage here, uh, talked about, than uh, than Miami does. Uh, but Gray Mertz, who was the you know much ballyhooed five-star recruit as... Um, as highly recruited a kid as Chris has gotten at Wisconsin, 
He leaves high school. Uh, he's, he enrolls early. He enrolls in January so he can participate in spring ball. He's third on the depth chart right now. Not just behind Jack no, Cohn. No, Cohn's going to be the guy. He played a lot last year he did. in uh, when Hornibrook was hurt. He was okay. Okay, yes. He was He was a Wisconsin quarterback. Right, right. Didn't, but maybe even better. Maybe it was better than Hornibrook. Well, he's Hornibrook. The problem with him is he just turned the ball over so dang yeah, much. Yep, he did. Well, Hornibrook would have seemingly against Iowa every time his best performances, but he'd mm-hmm. have those performances like, oh, maybe put it together. And then the next week he... Fumbles twice and throws three picks. Mm-hmm. That was Alex Hornibrook. Right. Never could put it all together. Jack Cohn, when he got Jonathan Adequate. Taylor? Yeah, well, exactly. E- exactly. You know what? We, we're underestimating Wisconsin. You and I, I are both guilty of yes. this. I think we're, we look back at this, I don't know when. Boy, what were we thinking? It was, it was right there. It was playing on the noses our, uh, on our face, mm-hmm. right? Just take Wisconsin. I'm still not completely sold, but I think they're going to be better than maybe I thought they were, or may, hoped. Not hoped, but if, if they don't, if they don't win the West, it's fine with me. Thursday when we are at Prairie Meadows, mm-hmm. will they have the prop up for division odds? Of course. You think? Well, I don't. I shouldn't speak. Of course, <laughs> they I, I would anticipate yes. So Trent, they're going to do a ton of futures business. That's that's, that's where they're going to. Over unders, yeah. Over unders, uh, mm-hmm. right? Win totals. That's uh, both college and pros. That's where, in my opinion, they're going to uh, write the most tickets. So, as we talked about in the top of the hour, I got, I just got walloped over the head Saturday. I threw out what I thought was a pretty innocuous tweet, just about the division odds that are out now at Bovada. One of mm-hmm. it's an offshore, but one of the more well known offshore. Yes. I think it's probably, would you say, because you know offshore better than I do. Yeah. The most well-known. I would think so, yeah. At least. Reputable. Yeah. There is such a thing with an offshore place. Like, they've been in business a long time, so it would be unfair to say that they're not. The old Bodog, that's what they Uh were before, now Bovada. But they have the odds. They're the first major offshore that I've seen with division odds for all the college conferences. So I throw it out there. No big deal. And all of a sudden... It's retweeted by two people. Sean Callahan, who rivals, he's Paul Clark at uh, Nebraska. Sean Callahan and the Omaha World Hero guy, Sam Sam, Sam Mix something. Uh, but then Sip jumped on a little bit later. John oh, Miller jumped Sam on. Sam McCowan? Is yes, that? that's the one. And it blew up. And it became Iowa-Nebraska fans fighting in my Twitter feed throughout the whole weekend. This still did not end <laughs> Really? Did you late to, last night. Did there come a point you just said, leave me alone? Yes. Take me out of this. Very early, about a half hour into it. I, I was out. You're shooting the messenger. Well, the replies, over a thousand replies to it, 62,000 impressions. Are you be- kidding me? People going nuts for division odds. Uh, just because Nebraska was favored. Nebraska was the favorite. Three to one. Which is too short to bet Nebraska. That's foolish money. Wisconsin, the second choice, though, at plus 350. Okay. That might be something so three to Three and a half to one. Purdue, four to one. The third choice in the West. No. no I, I'm not. No. Minnesota, plus 475. Okay. You know how I feel about them. Not the number you could have got, though. Certainly a few of those offshores earlier where there were 10 to ones out there with the Gophers hmm. before media day. Iowa, the next choice at five to one. I think that's worth a thought. I think they're the most so talented had we, team in have the West. You just, have you reeled off five teams by now? Yes. Still haven't got to the reigning champions of the Big Ten West. Right. That's Northwestern. It's yeah. six to one. Jeez. And then you get and to Illinois. Lovey. Forty to one. Right. Rutgers uh, to win the Big Ten East. Four hundred to one. Are they really? Are they really? <laughs> to win a division four hundred to one. Well, when you got those heavy heads in it, though, I, I mean, just right. 
It's that kid they pull an upset. What's Michigan State? Do you have do you have that number? What's what's Sparty? To win the East. I'm trying to beat Michigan and Ohio State. Five to one. Well, that's not enough. It's not that's enough. Not, that's a big enough price. Penn State six to one. That's not Same a big enough thing. price. Right. I don't even like Penn State, but I, I would uh, No. Regardless, I, if they would have been ten to one, I would You're not even, taking Indiana, Maryland, or Rutgers. No, of course. So not. Those are cross offs. And then finally to win the whole conference. To win the conference championship game in Indy. Plus one twenty five for Ohio State. Really? Who's gonna do that? No, well, Buckeye fans, right. but people that actually want to build a bankroll. You're going to have mm-hmm. your money sit there for four months for Too plus short. 125. No, we shouldn't. Michigan plus 215. And at that point, you just bet so on. You, so there's two two teams before you get your first Big Ten West or three? Two. Two. Because there's Nebraska. There's Nebraska and then Michigan State shows up? No, then it's Penn State, which is interesting. Penn State. Michigan State. And I had somebody ask in the... The question, well, why is that? Same thing with Iowa and Northwestern. Iowa, lower odds to win the West, but to win the Big Ten, they're 35 to 1, or Northwestern's 28 to 1. Could be liability. Could be the casino already has some money on one of these. That's the reason those numbers change, or just a different way of looking at it Mm. and how they come up with the number. Iowa, 35 to 1 to win the whole conference. If you're taking a dark chance, you've got to take a shot at 35 to one. They've got a they've got a big chance to win the West, and then you just can win one, one ball game. game and you get rewarded. And if they get to that point, you're going to get 35 to one. Okay, sign me up. Yes, and hedging opportunities at 35. What, to one, what are the Gophers? 20. Gophers to win the whole thing are 25 to one. Hmm. Wisconsin at 16 to one. That there one also go. jumped. That one might be a, that one might be a little taste of that one. Put a little something in your back pocket again for the future. Oh, boy. Uh, a couple gonna, days away. And they're going to be writing a whole bunch of those future tickets. Yes. In my opinion. I don't think you're going to bet a game this weekend in the NFL. I don't. Although we've got Saturday night, Sunday night, and Monday night football coming up this weekend. Vikings back at it. There'll be a national game Sunday. Yes. A Fox uh, they game. play Seattle. Yes. Uh, Broncos play Monday night against... I don't know. Bears-Giants is an NFL Network national game. Hey, what about the Bears losing out on that Ravens backup kicker who the Vikings signed? That was an odd story. What the Vikings give up? A fifth, fifth round pick, which is a ton for a back for a kid who's never kicked it. Do you know his story? No. So he's Norwegian, and I can't think of his name. It starts with a V. Well, of course he's going to the Vikings then. Well, that good point. He's, he's, Works he, perfectly. He's, no, he's Norwegian. Uh, but he was, I mean, he's up against the, the best kicker in the NFL, maybe in the history of the NFL in Justin yes. Tucker, right? You're not going to supplant him. So he goes to camp last year. He's kicking the you-know-what out of the ball, and he's going to, you know, move on to another city. He goes out in an area of Baltimore, I don't know where he was, and was beaten, was assaulted, was mugged within, I don't want to say an inch of his life, but he was severely injured and was put on the inactive list for the entire year because of the beating he took for being out in public um, last year. So he comes back this year, he starts, picks up right where he left off, goes four for four, including a 55-yarder. Adam Schefter tweets out yesterday morning that he's hearing rumors of two, two NFC North teams that are kicking the tires. Vedrick, maybe? Vedrick? Is his name? I can't think. He starts with a V. So anyways, two NFC North teams are kicking the tires. Well, who's the first one that pops in Obviously your head? the Bears. Right. After the double doink, yes. Then you're starting to think, well, Mason Crosby, no, he's okay there. Prater in Detroit, he's still got a strong leg. Dan Bailey? I mean, really? You'd give up on him? If, if there indeed were two. And, of course, the, the Ravens want 
the, the team that like the Bears to think there are two teams going after him so they could up the price. You're not bidding against yourself. So I thought maybe that was kind of uh, part of the whole equation. But then early in the afternoon, Vikings pick him up. So it's a double whammy if you're a Bears fan. A, this kid's really good. And B, he's not a Bear. Right. He's going inside the division. He's going to the Vikings, who I still think it's those two teams fighting for the division championship. I saw the first series. Oh, I saw more than that. I listened to Pauly on Friday night. Uh, But the first series in particular, uh, Cousins found Thielen just a remarkable throw and catch. The Vikings got a running back, a kid from Boise State. They took him in the third round. Morrison, maybe? All these new kids, these new names that we'll know soon. He, he jumped off the screen. He jumped off the oh, screen. Really? They got it. I think this kid's going to, he's going to make the team for sure, mm-hmm. but I think he's going to have a bigger role. Defense was solid for the Vikes. Um, as they were taking on New Orleans, Teddy Bridgewater looked okay. By the way, everybody in the Claxons, uh, went, uh, was significantly under his, uh, yards through the air, which was one of our tiebreakers. Uh, he threw for 134 here. Bridgewater looked okay. Good. That's good to hear. Yeah, Certainly absolutely. good to hear. I, I watched a little bit of that. Same thing, but preseason football, it's easy to pop in and out. But Yeah, it's easy to pop in and out. Good way of putting it. You you also miss some things when that happens. And I well, the Cubs were getting blown out. That helped? Right. And that, uh, that yeah, it was, it was easy to make the switch. Corey Vedvik is the name Vedvik, of it. right. And his name... They'll pronounce Corey. I'm looking at pronunciation guide from at yeah, least it's, college. It's spelled. It's you wouldn't have thought it was Corey, would you? K A A R E. Corey, Norwegian. Norwegian. Medvik. Mm-hmm. Strong leg. And here's the key with him. He, he's a punter too. Oh, so you get you get two for the price of one. You can fill two, both of those spots on special teams. So you do, it's frees up a roster spot. We're late. We got to get to Dylan Mods. Seventeen minutes after the hour of eleven o'clock, we hope to get him at eight, at fifteen after. I don't know why we why we even I, schedule a guest at eleven fifteen. There's no way in hell. I always tell him eleven twenty. I Good. tell you eleven fifteen. Yeah, because I know you like to have that eleven fifteen. But I tell them. We'll get to you about 11.20. In this case, we'll get to him by 11.22, and it'll be worth waiting for. He's Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune. We're Miller in Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460. A dream builder. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night. You're on 1460 KXNO. Miller in Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 23 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock, 15 minutes or so Mark Morehouse will join the program right now. Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, had a night off on Saturday. Trent, he did the, made his way to Target Field and got to see the good game out of the Twins in that. Well, one. maybe he's a Cleveland fan. He would call that the bad game. Well, it depends on your perspective. I believe, though, Dylan, like our other Cyclone friend Alex Halstead, cheers for the right team in baseball, the Minnesota Twins. Dylan, do I have that right? Absolutely, Trent. Yeah, and uh, like I was saying, uh, I went to a game against the White Sox uh, about a month ago or so, and um, I saw 10 runs, 5 home runs, and, and that was the only win in the series, too. So uh, I need to get up some more games and see if they can get pushed back in the first place. <laughs> They're pushing that 12-game ticket package, Dylan. Do you think during football season you can make that work? Uh, can you get up there no. 12 times? 
Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I'll see <laughs> if I can create more hours in the day, and then maybe it'll happen. Uh, Dylan Mons is our guest. Dylan, lots of ground to cover with you, and we certainly appreciate you coming on. You know, you wrote a good piece. Well, you write a lot of good pieces, but you're, the latest one that you wrote uh, was on a – it's such a deep position. Think about what I just said. The receiver position uh, at Iowa State is so, so, so deep. Uh, Landon Akers is a guy that's trying to get a foothold. A lot of people thought he was going to. He's in a real battle. You wrote a good piece on uh, him as he moves inside, Dylan? Yeah, he, he's kind of an interesting kid because um, he started his career as a gray shirt. Uh, he was originally a Paul Rhodes signee. Um, so he's been kind of around the program for a while and spent a semester. Uh, I, I believe he was working at a grocery store um, before he could actually join uh, the football team and get on scholarship. But he redshirted that following year and then um, played a little bit um, outside um, last year. And then this year it sounds like he's going to spend a lot of his time at inside receiver and, and kind of play that Deshante Jones M position um, kind of in the rotation. So uh, he has a lot of speed. Um, and so now it's just kind of adjusting and getting comfortable back there. But, um, yeah, it, it's another body I think that they feel comfortable in. You know, just let me uh, follow up on that, if you may. The receiver spot's so deep, and they had a, a scrimmage, and I'm sure you'll get more information uh, later on today as you get at coaches' availabilities. But, you know, some of the nuggets that I saw uh, not leak out but come out, I guess Skates and Darren Wilson, who's really, you know, one of those stories we've been talking about him um, – you know, as he as he comes from junior college, and he wasn't expected to be. At least nobody thought he was going to be a guy that uh, you know maybe catches. I don't know what the number would be twenty twenty five, but certainly more than you would think. Are you hearing the same as far as skates and Darren Wilson as to what they were able to do this past weekend? Yeah, it sounded like skates was maybe one of the big winners in terms of what he showed in the scrimmage, um, and obviously his size. I think he's six three and one ninety eight, so he's. He's got a good body to, to go run and play the outside receiver and, and be that kind of option. And he's a guy we've been talking about for a while. He could have played as a true freshman, um, got derailed uh, through some trouble and, and different things last year, was suspended for a little bit. But um, he's gotten really on the right track from the sound of it. He's going to be able to produce for him um, at, at some point. And I think Darren Wilson, uh, you know, Matt Campbell mentioned his name back at Big 12 Media Days and said that he was maybe the one guy that nobody was talking enough about. Um, you know, which you don't hear coaches say that uh, a ton, but I think he's warranted it. Um, he has a lot of speed. Uh, Matt Campbell said he was maybe the fastest receiver that they have on the team. Um, and so I think uh, he'll, he'll find his way in there too. And, and we talked about it last week, but to think that, um, you know, he was planning on spending another year at junior college, and lo and behold, he's, he's at Iowa State now and, and going to play some reps. Um, it's quite a jump. Speaking of playing some reps, I think we're going to see more out of Trevor Downing this year along that offensive line. You certainly want continuity, but it feels like Downing, some of those other young guys really pushing the starters for playing time. I really enjoyed your article last week talking a little bit about Downing, and after the team scored a touchdown, he's out there on the field all excited, and then going back and watching the film, and it wasn't quite as good as what he initially thought. Take us into Trevor Downing and that offensive line, building not just the five starters, but also depth there. As we know, seemingly every year injuries hit the offensive line. Yeah, uh, to that that uh, story you alluded to, he uh, they went back in a film study to watch the the game of the the play that he went in on, and Jeff Myers, the offensive line coach, says, "Hey, Trevor, you didn't block anybody. Uh, you're excited, <laughs> nice. but you didn't actually go go hit anybody." And so they all kind of laughed and, and stuff. But uh, it's it's all poking fun because I think that's the kid they've been really high on, um, even going back to the recruiting process. And he's a guy that was consistently mentioned. The guy that would be pushing um, 
to, to play that four-game uh, stretch at, at some point last year, and he got in two of them uh, toward the end of the year. But uh, I think he could definitely uh, be a guy. I, I don't know if he'll start this year, but I think he's a guy that Jeff Myers has talked about that's, that's in contention to um, if injuries do pop up because that's such a physical position. Um, you know, there's angles and, and needs to worry about. It's, you know, it's not Cunwood for them if they stay healthy. But um, I, I think uh, even dating back to the spring, they've kind of tried to move guys to different spots and, and just see what they have, the different combinations. You know, I think Josh Knipple has spent time at right tackle. He even mentioned as much um, back during spring ball, but now they're they're really kind of working it and see if Downing fits in with that first group at all um, as a guard. So I, I, they're just trying to find as many guys as possible to feel comfortable with. And um, it sounds like they're, you know, hovering up above maybe the 7-8 mark right now, which is, is a good number. No doubt about it. Speaking of depth, and Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune is our guest. Dylan, your colleague, Hayes Gardner, uh, wrote a piece on Zach Peterson. You know, one of my favorite parts of the month of August and, you know, from the time we start getting that football fever, if you will, is is hearing about guys that maybe played a little bit last year, but you really don't remember too much about them and that are going to perhaps not push, but you're going to notice them periodically, at least the, the staff hopes that's the case uh, throughout the season. And Zach Peterson is one of those guys, uh, he's behind Jaquan Bailey, so it's not like he's going to see the field a ton, uh, but uh, your colleague uh, Hayes Gardner wrote a piece on Zach Peterson, one of those guys that's fighting his way up the depth chart and may make an impact before his career is all said and done. Yeah, Hayes has written some really nice stories this fall, uh, helping me out in preseason camp. He wrote about Justin Bickham, the safety as well, and talked to his form, former position coach at Rice and a former teammate. So he, he's been doing a great job. Um, but with Zach Peterson, um, you know, I, I, he was one of the biggest weight gainers uh, in the offseason. Uh, I think the nutritionist and, and the program that they got him in really did a lot for him. And obviously being in the weight room, as much as they are in a college program, it, it really helps. But um, he was kind of another one on the recruiting trail that was a little bit late in the process and getting him into the program and, and being able to play uh, the special teams that he did last year, particularly at the end of the year, was big. But um, that, that's another spot similar to the offensive line where you want to feel as good about your depth as possible, um, have have your twos almost basically be, be pushing the ones. And, and like you mentioned, he's not going to start over Jaquan Bailey or, or play more than him. But uh, I think they feel as good about that group of twos as possible. And Zach Peterson is, is a big reason why. I, I think he's, he's hitting on all cylinders right now in, in the way they want him to. Dylan Mott's joining us, Ames Tribune, as we take a look at Iowa State football. Dylan, Saturday it was a closed team scrimmage, though all you beat guys seem to be getting some different nuggets that are coming out. What do you got from us? What are you hearing? What happened on Saturday? Yeah, like I mentioned, I think Joseph Skates was a guy that really stood out, um, you know, which is encouraging. And that's a position we've talked about all, you know, all, yep. all so far that they wanted to find depth at. They wanted to have guys that could go in and, and you know, feel comfortable in, in going and, and making the tough catches on third down or in the red zone. And he was one of those guys that I think showed a lot. Uh, Brees Hall is another name, I think, that stood out as, mm. as much as anybody from the sound of it. Um, they rotated some different running backs in. Uh, Kanae Nwangu was in there for a while, but Brees Hall came in, and, and it sounded like he was really, really impressive. And, and obviously he's been here since um, mid-year when he enrolled early from high school. And uh, I think he's he's a guy that, um, you know, we mentioned I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was starting um, at, at some point this year, maybe the middle of the year, maybe it's the end of the year, but uh, I think I think they're pretty pumped about what he can add to that, hmm. that room and that offense. Is Nwango still the fastest guy on the team? 
Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, I think, um, you know, Daytron Young on, on the defense, his nickname's Speedy, so I think he'd be up there. Um, Kaneda Wonga's in there. Uh, Tariq Milton has been talked about being really fast. Uh, Darren Wilson. So I think those are probably your top-end guys, but I, I think everybody still kind of leans Kaneda Wongu, and not to mention Real Mitchell as well. A couple weeks removed from being a Big 12 football media day, looking back upon it, you've read, I'm sure, more on these teams any team that you have a different opinion on, anybody that you're changing, if you had to reevaluate the Big 12 as a whole, where'd you sit right now? Yeah, I probably in my preseason poll picked TCU a little bit too low. Me too. If I could go back, I would probably rate them a little bit higher. I, I think that defense will be great uh, if they figure out the, the quarterback situation, and um, that's going to go a long way for the offense. So I'd probably go them a little bit higher. And then West Virginia has, has been having kind of a strange fall so far. They've lost. Um, signees, they lost starters, um, you know, they're just kind of a little bit in disarray, and, and that's not to be unexpected when you bring in a new coach and new system and he's trying to get his guys in there. So their their fall might look a little bit different, but uh, as far as the big fall, those are probably the two teams that maybe jump out the most. You know, it's kind of, well, it's kind of, it's good and bad, right, that Iowa State doesn't have a quarterback controversy. I mean, quarterback controversies, Sell newspapers, get clicks, uh, kill a lot of segments on talk radio. But what have you heard so far about Brock Purdy's uneventful, at least from where we sit, uh, first real true fall camp as the starter? Yeah, I think that's probably the best news they could have hoped for. And then, like you mentioned, there's always so much intrigue with the quarterback position. And, you know, when your starting quarterback solidified, it's it's always inevitably what does the backup look like. And mm-hmm. so then that's where more Real Mitchell conversation has come in. But I think. Um, they feel as good about Brock Purdy as they probably have, um, you know, any quarterback they've had. Just given not only his skill set and what he does on the field, but just kind of how he approaches uh, film study and, and and talks to the guys. He's a little he, call him an old soul is probably not the right word, but he's he's a little bit more mature beyond his years maybe than than the eighteen or nineteen year old that he is. So uh, that's probably what you want to have in your quarterback. No doubt about it. Sorry to uh, interrupt you there, uh, Dylan Mont Ames Tribune. Dylan, get you out of here on this. Uh, what's the week look like? Who will you guys have an opportunity? I think last week you said maybe Haycock. Uh, what? Who will you uh, have an opportunity coaching wise and then player wise at those groups uh, to uh, to chat with this week? Yeah. So today it's actually going to be quarterbacks and cornerbacks. So a little bit of a, a you know correlation there between the offense and defense, uh, people that I see each other a lot. So, um, you know, I'd imagine Brock Purdy will be there today and then maybe the starting corners. And then John Haycock um, will be in to talk about the defense tomorrow. So uh, that's it for the week. And then we'll jump back at it one more time next week. And, and then it'll almost be game week. So it's, it's kind of crazy how fast it's gone. It really has. Dylan, we'll recap it with you on Friday. Thanks for what you do for us. Have a great week, Dylan Montz. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you, Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com. Mark Morehouse uh, joins the program. Net. What did Mark see at the open practice on Saturday? We will ask him. It's 25 minutes before uh, noon here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 20 minutes before the hour of noon. Let's get Mark Morehouse in here as we recap the Friday media day, but more importantly, the Saturday uh, as the uh, media was allowed into the 
first practice, so their only practice they'll get a chance to watch uh, this year. Mark, uh, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Mark Morehouse? Hanging in there. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Did you feel that you learned anything from watching practice on Saturday? Maybe a name or two that you, you know, you found yourself going back to, I better check on this kid a little bit more. Anybody jump out that you didn't expect to, I guess? Um, AJ Epineza is good at football still. (laughs) Uh, it's hard to believe. I watch Alaric Jackson. I've watched him for two and a half, almost three years now. And, uh, He's handled really good players. Nick Bosa, he's handled uh, uh, Willikus at Michigan State. Mm -hmm. Who's really good. Well, against some top competition. Saturday uh, was ugly. Uh, A.J. Epineza knifed him. And uh, uh, so the offense, but they didn't blow the play dead, so the offense did get some stuff going. Uh, Oliver Martin, I think think Hawkeye fans probably want him eligible now. Uh, Good player. He, he, He fit in the offense. Didn't know... Didn't have a moment where he, he played full speed, which I think is really kind of surprising given the fact that really he's only been here a month. So uh, very impressive outing by him, and I think Iowa fans should want him. Didn't see a lot of tight end play. Did see some 20 uh, formation, which is three wideouts, uh, running back, and uh, no no tight end. Saw, the, saw quite a bit of that early on. So uh, tight end is very much part of the offense. They, they ran They ran more 22 than 20, but I thought it was interesting. I think maybe the wide receivers are knocking on the door a little bit. Nico's for real. Uh, uh, I like Tyrone Tracy still. Um, offensive line still needs some work in the middle. I think uh, Tyrone Linderbaum, hard to really evaluate him off a of Saturday film, but everything he says and everything they say, it's all systems go there. Running back, I would say this. Running back is the position I watch the most, and I think right now, uh, don't look for any big splash change. I think the guys who were ahead last year might stay ahead. But maybe one of those guys that's moved ahead would be Torin Young. Did you get that impression that, that he maybe jumped out a little bit and we're trying to figure out why he was in Chicago and maybe it's because he's worked so hard and, and deserved to be there when we look back at it? Would you go that far as to say Young it would be the one right now? Um, He definitely would be one of the ones. Uh, and I think it's probably going to be that. It's going to be RB, uh, RBBC, I think it is, our running back by committee. Many, yeah. And, and uh, I think it could be as many. As, I think the, the question is not who right now or whom. I think the question is how many for running back. And I think they'll have three in this. I think they'll have three veterans in the, in the uh, uh, carrying the ball. And we'll see on the young guys. I think the young guys still have a chance. Uh, Tyler, uh, Tyler Goodson showed me great balance, uh, good vision, and he ran more north-south than uh, Shadrick Bird did. Shadrick Bird started to go east-west a little bit too much for me. Um, so I, you know, I, it's far from over. Kirk Ferentz pointed at uh, next Wednesday, not this coming Wednesday, but next Wednesday as maybe the day that they'll be set. So uh, if somebody could fly a drone over Kinnick, I think on <laughs> Saturday, that'd be great. We could all watch a great scrimmage. And maybe we'll have some real answers. Soon enough, maybe we'll be able to uh, pull that one off and be able to see inside of it. It is just that. It is a snapshot. But want to get your perspective on this. A, the linebacker group, and when they go cash, it'll only be two linebackers out there. And secondly, that cash position. I just Going back to the spring and DJ Johnson, sounded like he's going to be the guy. He's just built physically so different than what we saw out of Hooker. I still struggle at times wrapping my mind around exactly what this is going to look like. Well, Phil has said, and he did say uh, in, during the spring or summer, they do want a, more of a corner body there this year. So 
I think they want a guy who can cover, and they obviously Phil always wants a guy who can tackle, but it looks like they want Amani's hooker's kind of coverage skills to come out of this. And Amani was up and down at different levels at different times and really uh, kept kept uh, offenses from really attacking Iowa on the perimeter. It was passing him anyway. I think uh, – DJ Johnson probably a little more polished and backpedal, maybe a little faster, but you know Willie bring the run support like Amani did. Amani was such a good open field tackler, so expect a little bit of a drop off. But I'm um, hey, uh, DJ Johnson, he was anointed this guy, this, this cash guy in the spring, and he's held it. So that's that's something to me. Um, definitely kind of. Uh, uh, swimming upstream of that position, I think. Uh, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, secondary-wise, is there anybody that's going to push the ones that were on the uh, listed on the on the first step chart? We know it's not set in stone. Ference reminds us every year. But was there any maybe guys that are fighting for that spot? Anybody catch your eye that right now uh, you wouldn't expect to start or you wouldn't have expected to start week one that may be uh, really pushing? Dane Belton, a true freshman from Florida, uh, seems really organized. Uh, he was with the ones and twos uh, on, in some nickel packages, so I think he's a guy who's knocking on the door a little bit. Beyond that, kind of hard to tell. I got to go over the lineups a little more. I'm gonna hopefully I have I have a broken computer right now, so I, <laughs> I need to uh, I, I before I get back in the follow and really look at the lineups. Uh, I defensive backs. I, I think they're solid there. I I, I look for just continuation from that group. I look for uh, Matt Hankins to keep doing what he's doing. I think he's their best cover corner right now, and he sh- I thought he showed that Saturday. Terry Porter is a guy who played a lot, too. Uh, he might be kind of making a run at third or fourth corner right now. So uh, you get into the young guys. you got a whole different way of looking at it now. Four-game redshirt rule. How many of these freshmen are out there? If, if you had to take a pick out of the recruiting class, are we going to see a dozen guys at least see some kind of action this year? Maybe, maybe a dozen. Last year, I don't, I can't remember how many it was last year. Maybe eight. A dozen might be heavy. Okay. I, I would say I would put the number at eight. And one, a couple of guys, I would, I put Dane, Dane Belton in there. Uh, I would put Logan Lee in there. Um, made the move from tight end to defensive end before he got here. He's a big body, and he, they were playing him at defensive tackle on Saturday, so. He was. I think he ran with the twos a little bit, but he's an interesting guy to watch. I think he'll for sure get his four games, and I think he might get more than that. Twelve guys played last year. I found uh, Tom Kakert and uh, Blair yeah. Sanderson over at Hawker Report. Moss, Brents, Merriweather all played past the four. Four That's each right. for That's Dylan right. Doyle and Tyrone Tracy. Three for Benson, DJ Johnson, Reganey. Two for Guile, Linderbaum, and Petrus. And one game for Jack Plum. Twelve guys played at least mm-hmm. a game last year. Three of them, they'll lost their red shirt. I put the over under at eight. Eight. I'm <laughs> okay. taking the over. Yeah, well, we, we shall see. What do you? <laughs> what did you see at the backup spot, Mark? A lot of folks, uh, a lot of Spencer Petrus love uh, coming out of Saturday. Did you feel the same way? There should be. Uh, he he. One thing. Okay, just naked eye stuff. He's he doesn't move great. I mean, he moves sort of. You know, he's got a long stride, um, but he's effective and. Very accurate, very very accurate. He he put the ball in some very uh, tight windows, and that that impresses me because that shows some arm talent and uh, arm talent under under fire. I mean, they had guys. I mean, yeah, they weren't getting sacked, but there was a lot of pressure in quarterback Saturday. And I thought Petrus. Yeah, I think right now I would say if I had to make a call after Saturday, I'd say Petrus is the two. 
Um, that doesn't mean it's over, and it's only one look at it for us. But Mansell, one thing I really liked about his game, I've always liked about his game, is that he has he has no preferred arm angle. He'll throw a ball at whatever mm. arm angle he can find. And Saturday, he really kind of showed that off. The rush edge position, another one that's intriguing. you got Amani Jones, who, of course, was a starting linebacker in the middle last year for game one before losing that job. And a guy that continues to get buzzed, Joe Evans. Uh, tell us a little bit about this guy, a guy seemingly out of nowhere that's been out there, and how they're going to use this position. You'd think off the edge, obviously, would be the spot, but when you got A.J. Epinesa on one side, Chauncey Golson on the other, you want to take one of those guys out for an edge rusher? They're not going out. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going out, Trent. Um, I, it's, I, right now, situationally, I'm not sure where you... I, I imagine a pass rush situation. But talking with uh, AJ, and they have a very clear plan for this. Ebenezer laid it out kind of. This position will always be on the weak side of the field, and it, w- it will not be counted in the power five. I think that's what AJ said, the uh, strong five. I imagine that's the five down defenders. So that'll be a linebacker probably moving up to the line of scrimmage, middle linebacker. By the way, Christian Welch, it looks like he's kind of locked that down. Mm. Uh, played a lot, kind of owned the position Saturday at middle linebacker. So. Uh, I think he probably ends up starting, and so the the, the hybrid guy. I, no, I don't know what posi- what down and distance type of thing. It feels like it'll be a pass rush thing, and both Amani Jones and Joe Evans definitely showed that in the spring. And I think both can get there, and I think both will keep if you if they can find a good matchup. If there's a tackle who's you know maybe not quite as quick, or maybe doesn't move as well in space, they're going to get home a little bit. Both those guys, I think it's a smart move, and they got to find something for. For the linebackers, the surplus of linebackers they have, they got to find something for those guys to do, and I think this is a smart move that way. It'll be interesting to see how it used, how it's used and if it actually gets to the light of day, but right now they seem all systems go on it. Mm. Last thing for me, Mark, uh, Gary Barta was, um, spoke with you guys, I believe it's the first time since his extension was announced, and probably the first time uh, since Chicago. Did you get the sense that Penn State is going to be the – you know, the the night game, Barta feels pretty confident that October 12th this game will be played under the lights. And if it's not that, I mean, that, that's got to be it, right? I thought he was really noncommittal on that. Did I, you? I, okay. I, I guess I'm trying to run the conversation back through my mind right now, but it uh, felt to me like it was pretty noncommittal as far as uh, when the night games will be. Uh, I, the night games can be any time. Uh, last year, we I think we saw more six-day windows than we'd ever had, mm-hmm. uh, maybe three. And so I think the six-day six day windows are kind of uh, leaving the door open for night games more. Say if I was, you know, eight and one or something like that, you might see more night games uh, pop up. And then in November, if both schools agree, it can be a night game at the drop of a hat. So uh, not set in stone, but I, I like the idea of Penn State. I think Iowa does. I think PV does. Iowa has to Maybe win at Iowa State to maybe make that happen. They have to get they have to get one, I think, to make that happen. And uh, so uh, we'll see. Uh, as far as the extension goes, uh, I think this this might be a good thing for Iowa in that there's stability now, and they just have to make the real plan to see who the next football coach will be after Kirk Ferentz goes. Uh, great stuff. Okay, I assume he will at some point. Yeah, he's got it at some point, right? You would think. Uh, Mark, thank you. Great to catch up with you. Appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. 
You bet, guys. Good to talk to you. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Gazette.com backslash sports is where you can read Mark. Well, we go from football to the NBA. It's a segue we make seemingly every oh, show. Oh, yes. This is an we easy one, right? This. All right. Uh, Ryan Saunders, youngest head coach in the NBA, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what they tell me. That's, that's unbelievable. Good for you. Glad you got the job. I know that... Uh, you know, college is one thing, but I watched the first game, uh, your first game as the head coach, the locker room afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was for you, but that had to be pretty special. Yeah, it was, and and I think that's uh, it's something that you you think about after the fact. And I remember telling uh, both my mother and my wife, yeah, uh, hey, no matter what happens, you know, the rest of the season or moving forward, that's one moment I'm always going to be going to be able to take with me and right. remember. And uh, for that reason, you know, I think people saw how special the Minnesota market is to mm-hmm. me. What did what did you learn in in the time mm-hmm. that I mean, obviously now you're the guy, but uh, what will you do differently yeah. this year? What did you learn? Yeah, I mean, taking over mid season, uh, you know, especially for somebody I, I respected so much, mm, and yeah. Coach, Coach Tibbs, uh, you know, it's difficult. Uh, you know, you have ideas as an assistant, um, these things that you say, okay, hey, one day when I get my my opportunity, um, I'm I'm going to try to do this. Uh, all these different ideas, and then uh, you get in, get in that seat and you realize, hey, if you're coaching on the fly, you need to be keep it simple. Uh, you can't change everything all at once, uh, and and for that reason, you know, it's it's uh it's. You're, you're trying to you're trying to push forward with things that you think you'll want to implement moving forward, and I always operated as I was going to be the coach um, until they told me I was not the coach. That's great. Um, when you see what's going on in the off season here, the super teams kind yeah. of created, right? The players really. Mm-hmm. More than any other of the sports, they get to pick where they want and who they want to bring. Yeah. Is that good or bad? You know, I don't, honestly, I don't think it's up for me um, to say if it's good or bad. Uh, I think it's it, the one thing in, in professional sports that's important is that you you only control what you can control. Mm-hmm. And so for us, that's that's about getting better as a, as a unit, uh, building the type of uh, family culture atmosphere that we want in Minnesota. And that's one of the reasons I'm down here in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in terms of, you know, um, geographically, you know, this is a, they're part of the Timberwolves umbrella. And, uh, you'll see a lot of players that are here in Des Moines play for us as well. We feel like we have a lot of talent. We're, we're going to use, um, you know, Des Moines in this market, uh, to really grow our players and grow our system in, in a lot of ways. Uh, so for that reason, you know, that's something we can control. And that's a big, big, uh, mindset principle that we want to have moving forward. Uh, Timberwolves head coach Ryan Saunders is our guest here. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 Kicks. You know, Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best players in the league. I have, every time I watch him, he just oh, yeah. he blows me away. Yet he does doesn't make those, you know, that short list. Give me the best players in the game. Why? Why not? Do you think? Is it because of the market? You know, I, I wouldn't even say it's because of the market. And it, it's a lot of times, uh, you know, the the ultimate winning is is the big thing uh, in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And you know, we want to build a sustainable, um, successful group moving forward, where we're not just a you know a one year um, you know playoff team. We want to we want to build and. Carl's the guy to build around. Mm. I mean, he's he's an incredible talent, and um, I really look forward to him and, and seeing his growth moving forward, and especially this year, him and, and Andrew. We feel we have a couple guys yeah. that can take big steps, and they've been committed this summer. They've been fully bought in, and we, we expect big things out of them. Maple Jordan for his Canadian roots, Andrew Wiggins, hell of a player, of course, at, uh, at Kansas. Derek Rose, I love this story. Yeah. I wish he could have finished with you yeah. guys. I mean, we get that he can't, but uh, uh, great story for him to come back. Nowhere near the plurry once yeah. buzzed, but what might have been right he was well, so good you know it, Derek is uh 
I will forever say that Derek is one of my favorite, not only players, but people I've ever been around in the NBA. I mean, he was really incredible, and um, I still consider him a friend, and I always will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very happy for him that it worked out where he was able to get, you know, um, a little bit longer term deal with, um, you know, good, uh, good salary moving forward. Um, something that you know was was tough for us to do in, in kind of the this summer. Um, so I'm really happy for Derek though because he's uh, he he works really hard to stay on the court. We've got 30 seconds left. What's it going to take? The West is so tough, man. <laughs> hey, if you got any suggestions, throw <laughs> yeah, them my right. way. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, about, it's about not skipping steps with our group. Um, each day, uh, we want to win the day. We want to we move forward and try to get better at what we need to get better at each day. And ultimately, then we'll become a sustainable success uh, moving forward. Well, great to have you in here. I wish you would have been in here early. We could spend another 10 minutes with you. Ryan Saunders, <laughs> head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Miller and Condon, I will see you tomorrow.